talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. What a crazy time to be alive. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. From the Rocky Mountains of Denver, Colorado, my name is Charlie Robinson. Thanks for hanging out with me for the next hour or so. If you want to connect with me, the email address is charlierobinson at tntradio.live. You can follow me on Twitter at Macroaggressions, or you can go to my new website, macroaggressions.io, and see if that uh, works for you. Let's start off, shall we, with some headlines for today, Thursday, December 28th, 2023. Backlash over Israel's video of hypothetical Hamas Christmas Day attack on Seoul. This is um, this was a weird one. Israel has lost the battle for the hearts and minds, it appears. Um, there was a video that they created showing a fake kidnapping and terrorist attack happening in Seoul, South Korea, in which the implication was that it was Hamas terrorists that had come all the way to uh, Seoul, South Korea in order to e- extract revenge against, I don't none of it made any sense. It feels like uh, the next thing I'm expecting is Netanyahu holding up a sign made to look like a time bomb. Oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> We've seen that before. Also, from Gateway Pundit, Biden scolds the media, tells journalists to start reporting the right way. You... You mean like Julian Assange did? That that kind of way that wound up putting him in, in a prison for the rest of his life? Or do you mean reporting on it the right way, meaning regurgitating and parroting the talking points from the White House? I think that's probably what all Uncle Joe means. Uh, when he says the the right way, I, I, I don't exactly think he means the same thing that we're talking about. Also, No surprises here. Study finds that less than 4% of American journalists are Republicans. 4%, you say? Number sounds a little high. I guess the exact percentage is 3.4%. I tell you, you got to watch out for those 0.4%. They're trouble. Um, Well, listen, I got news for you. The journalists, the news regurgitators, whatever these people are, um, they're not traditional Democrats either. They're some other sort of hybrid. They're weak-minded, soulless animatrons that will regurgitate whatever talking point they are paid to uh, read or write or to, you know, to their shrinking audience that, um, that TNT is stealing from them on a daily, bit, daily basis. Uh, the next iteration of this, of course, is moving into artificial intelligence newsreaders uh, in human skin suits, which I would suggest has probably been happening at CNN for at least the last decade. And finally, from Zero Hedge, Democratic mayors of New York, Chicago, and my hometown here of Denver plead for help as migrant storm worsens. Oh, I guess they forgot about what the term sanctuary city means. After all, you guys voted for it. You wanted to virtue signal with your base that you were so compassionate and very much caring about the needs of these less privileged people that have snuck across the southern border that was left intentionally wide open by the Biden administration at the orders and insistence of the Trilateral Commission. But it appears that the repercussions of your actions have come home to roost in the form of buses, 
pulling into Chicago, New York, Seattle, San Francisco, and of course here in Denver as well. Now, listen, I I, I want to be crystal clear. I take no pleasure in dancing on the proverbial graves of these politicians. And I think that using human beings as uh, political pawns is disgusting and uh, needs to change. But what has happened at the southern border has been going on for years. This is not something that just sprung up in the last part of the year of 2023. This has been an ongoing crisis that's been happening for it, almost a decade now. And it's coming at the insistence of the Biden administration. But, it, but don't worry, everybody because we have the best and brightest minds in politics working on that. And of course, that's Brandon Johnson, the new mayor of Chicago, a person that is that is even dumber than Lori Lightfoot, if you want to take a look at his past. We have New York City's own Eric Adams, who has run out of the police force because he was so he was too corrupt for the New York City police force. They had to get rid of him. Of course, they went ahead and made him the mayor instead, because that's fitting. And of course, Denver's Mike Johnson, who wouldn't know his ass from a hole in the ground. Um, so this is what we have. And this is what we have in common. George Soros financed, woke district attorney weirdos that are reimagining society in a way that probably won't make you feel very good, but unfortunately, it has been decided that the controlled demolition of America is underway and the plunger is being pushed down in such liberal hellholes as San Francisco, Chicago, and New York City. When you get 7 million people invading your country just during the Biden administration, you have a problem. And of course, that's not to say anything of the fact that over 300 people that were on terrorist watch lists have been apprehended at the southern border. But listen, this is, for those mayors, something that they need to consider. The decision is well above your pay grade. This is not something that you're going to get on an airplane, fly down to Mexico and sort out for yourself, Eric Adams. You have to understand that the orders have come from on high and that the multinational NGOs have made the decisions that this is the way it's going to be. And if you have a problem with it, you can go take it up with the ghost of David Rockefeller and Zbigniew Brzezinski over at the Trilateral Commission. But that, of course... Is just the way I see it. And of course, I could be wrong. Hey, at TNT Radio, we never go home. We are committed to bringing you our take on the biggest topics of our time. We broadcast live 24-7, online, globally, no matter what. We've got you covered on TNT Radio. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I've been in the car all day and I got to listen. Can't get enough of it. You guys are doing a great job. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT one day after an import ban on certain Apple watches officially went into effect, a federal appeals court placed the ban on a brief hold while it weighs whether to grant a longer term pause. Here with the story, joining me now is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Ruckus, this has been a topic of discussion at my household because an Apple Watch was given away by Santa uh, this Christmas and just in time, too, because if Santa didn't get his act together, he might have been on the outside with this Apple ban. What's the uh, latest on this situation? I don't know. First of all, Charlie, I feel like I have to fact check that little story you told us. I don't trust at least half of that, but 
maybe that's a story for another day. Uh, I won't ruin it for the kiddos. Um, yeah, no, this is interesting. It's funny. I was actually talking about this with some friends over the holidays as well, uh, discussing that I was unclear as to what was going on with this ban against Apple devices. And sure enough, it's the watches. And sure enough, it has to do with something that I find incredibly, incredibly interesting. And there's a part of this story that I'm thinking that you and I should flesh out because it's not being discussed and it should. Um, so this explains everything. Um, apparently, in a victory for Apple, of course, the U.S. Court of Appeals on Wednesday ordered a halt on the ban on the import and sale of smartwatch models involved in a patent fight after the tech giant requested that they be paused at least until U.S. Customs and Border Protection, CBP, can determine if the redesigned versions of those watches still infringe the disputed patents. The CBP is expected to make a decision on January 12th of next year, according to Apple. That's just right around the corner in 2024. The pause means Apple can resume importing and selling the Apple Watch Series 9 and Apple Watch Ultra 2 until the court takes additional action. Both watches so far remain unavailable on the company's website and in stores after being pulled, although they can still be found at third-party retailers such as Amazon and AT&T and perhaps being sold by some shady-looking dude in an alley somewhere. In the meantime, the Apple's court, appeals court sorry, will consider a longer halt on the import and sales ban. Apple has requested that the bans be paused until the court can issue a full ruling, ruling on the patent infringement case. Now, what this has to do with the patent dispute that led to the ban centers around some Apple Watchers built in blood oxygen centers, sensors that can read the wearer's pulse. That's right. Your watch can take your pulse. Now, Massimo, this is an Irvine, California based developer of smart wearables, claimed that Apple incorporated Massimo's patented technology for measuring blood oxygen level into those watches. In its complaint filed with the U.S. International Trade Commission, the ITC, Massimo also accused Apple of hiring away Massimo employees to build the pulse oximeter oximetry sensor, pulse oximetry sensor which was first e featured in the Apple Watch Series 6 in 2020. Interesting year. The ITC ultimately sided with Massimo after an investigation that began in August of 2021. A final decision came in October, ordering Apple to stop importing and selling its smartwatches with the pulse oximetry feature. The ITC order became effective on Tuesday following a 60-day presidential review period that ended with the Biden administration declining to intervene. The ban does not affect the Apple Watch SE, a cheaper model that offers most of what an Apple Watch has while cutting out certain features, including the pulse oximetry capabilities. That is so hard to say. Uh, previously sold watches are also unaffected. Now, so what's interesting to me, Charlie, is this fight winds up being who owns the rights to this technology? And nowhere in the reporting is anyone talking about what is the point of having such technology? Is there a bigger discussion to be had about the legitimacy? Is it a good idea to have people walking around with uh, Internet of Body wearable medical devices and it's baked into something that's just an everyday device? It's not like people ran out and bought their smartwatch for the purpose of being monitored their health. Am I am I wrong in, in this line of thinking, Charlie? But what do you think about this story and what I just said in general? Well, I you rightly mentioned that this watch situation started in 2020. They're, they're very concerned about our health all of a sudden in 2020, weren't they? Almost as though you could see this 
coming. So we've got a situation now where Apple is going to be in charge of uh, compiling the data. Is this going to be fed to our insurance companies? Is this going to be something that that will be used against us at a later time? Is it just for marketing purposes? Are you trying to sell uh, candy to people with high blood sugar? I mean, what is the point of this entire thing? I understand it's a feature in the watch, but you know, who, who necessarily is buying the watch for this one particular feature? Unless it's part of some mass, as you said, internet of things, internet of bodies, data collection, uh, apparatus, which will then store all this information to be used to build, I guess, a vi digital voodoo doll of you at some point that the uh, that United Healthcare or some of the large insurance companies will have to pay Apple for to make sure that they aren't uh, giving the life insurance policies or health insurance policies to people that are exhibiting uh, high blood pressure. It's, I mean, I, I my little conspiratorial mind starts to go off the deep end when I hear things like this because I understand um, the the direction that these technocrats want to head you know, want to take humanity. So I get a little nervous when uh, when I hear tech companies fighting over the the rights to the information that are that's coming from measuring my own body uh, because I feel that you know at some point this stuff gets thrown back in our face in in some way, shape, or form. Oh yeah, I also know that believe it or not, your your AirPods can do something very similar as well. In case you didn't know, um, I learned about that a couple of years back. Yeah, this stuff is absolutely frightening. Just, I mean, let's go down the rabbit hole a little bit, Charlie. What's what's a couple things they could do just off of monitoring your pulse rate? Well, I mean, that could be used in like a lie detection kind of uh, circumstance. It could also be perhaps you're standing in crowd or at a public place and and it has like a base level of your pulse and suddenly you give out a pulse reading that means what you're what's so nerve why are you so nervous charlie he's probably we've got to go follow up on this guy pick him out of the crowd call him out because his pulse just went up for no explainable reason yeah this is absolutely disturbing and there's absolutely like i said there's no there's no mention of any of this what like these questions that reporters should be asking like hold on a second What's the point of this? Like you just asked all the right questions and there's none of that in any of these reports. Uh, so um, I guess it's great. I'll be grateful the fact that this has opened up the door to the conversation about this kind of stuff. Because when I tried to tell people about this three, two, two to three years ago, people just said I was a crazy conspiracy theorist. And I'm just like, I'm just yeah. pointing out what the people who make these devices are saying. Don't get mad at me, yo, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, in, in the swallowable um digital pills that they have as well that go through your body and tell you, you know the whoever holds the technology on the other end tells them whether or not you've you've taken the pills that you're supposed to take the other pills the the medicine um it tells them uh, quite a bit about your body now when we reported on that several years ago they were fitting us for tinfoil hats except that it's in the patents i'm not making this stuff up i couldn't make this up if i tried i don't have the technological background i'm just reading the patents that these people put out and when they say that they want this uh technology to be able to gather as much data from from inside your body as possible I tend to believe them because that's that would be very valuable. I mean, it's one thing to know which browsers or which uh, uh, websites you're on with your with your Google Chrome browser to to determine how they want to best target the ads to bombard you with, but it's quite another thing 
when they have gotten inside your actual body, not to say that they probably aren't already in there with mind control or, as you said, AirPods, um, but inside your body measuring you in a way that should be protected. It takes us back to our conversation, I think, from last week about HIPAA laws and and whatnot, that, that the tech companies have a very long track record of being poor uh, stores of this information. We see hacks all the time. And, and of course, what could somebody do with this information? Probably nothing right now, but at some point it feels like all of this information will be used against you at a point to be determined sometime in the future, right? Well, with, with power comes responsibility, with great power comes great responsibility, and with big data comes our big uh, prison, Charlie. Yeah, yeah, it's a scary, scary time. We love this technology, but boy, we have to recognize it. It is a double-edged sword. Thanks, Rakas. I'll see you tomorrow. After the break, we will be back with Kevin Annett. He's known as Eagle Strong Voice in the Indian communities in Canada, and also on the other side of the hour, we'll be back with Johnny Vedmore, investigative journalist. This is TNT Radio. You should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about. I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, well, that seems bad for the, you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper, but it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationship with supply chains and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how can I make myself less dependent on the system? It's kind of hard to know where to start, right? Where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities. But for most people, I would say, Charlie, it feels normal, but it ain't normal. <laughs> the world yeah. is not normal. It's completely gone off kilter. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40. California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a thousand dollar a day fine. Government stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2%. You know, 99.8% survival, rather than the 3 or 4% mortality that the, the people are saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot it helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. 
when the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. You have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them, this is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. TNTradio.live. Online. Online. Online streaming. Be a part of the conversation. I stream it all at work, and I stream it to my phone and listen to it wherever I go. TNT. My first guest is the founder of the International Tribunal of Crimes of Church and State. He is a global human rights campaigner. He is an author. You can get his book, Murder by Decree, at the website, murderbydecree.com. I consider him a very brave man in this fight. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Annett. Kevin, it's great to have you on again. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thanks for having me back. Well, can you tell us a little bit, what's the situation that has gone down in the last couple of weeks in Canada with King Charles' conviction on the ordering of the murder of of your close friend, William Combs? Um, what is the status of this, and uh, what do you hope to see moving forward into this new year? Well, you know, it's kind of a deja vu from 10 years ago when a common law court in Europe convicted and forced out of office Pope Benedict. It, it, it's come around again in the same way, only this time the, the British monarch. Uh, in a nutshell, what happened was, as folks probably know, uh, William Combs was a survivor of the so-called residential schools in Canada. Uh, where over half the native children died. Um, he saw Queen Elizabeth abduct 10 children when he was a child. He, gave, he was about to give testimony about that in 2011. He suddenly dies in the hospital. According to the nurse who treated him, it was arsenic poisoning, all the symptoms. Um, in, the, in the fall, we convened on the West Coast in Vancouver a citizen's inquiry into not only William's death, but that of a number of other people who were in our campaign to expose the genocide in Canada. And it came out that an insider in Charles Windsor's security retinue came forward and said his chief security advisor, a guy called Major Johnny Thompson, uh, arranged the killing of William Coombs in St. Paul's Hospital. Uh, in, uh, soon after he, you know, the news came out that he was going to talk about Queen Elizabeth's abduction of these children who were never seen again. And... Um, we, the Citizens' Inquiry brought in a verdict that he and a number of other people were guilty not only of the murder of William Coombs, but of a number of other the people who were in our campaign who exposed and really brought to trial for the first time the, the killers of over 60,000 Native children in Canada. So as it stands now, there's, there is a move to force Charles out of, a, you know, to abdicate the way uh, Pope Benedict did. And uh, we expect there might be kind of a palace coup, a, a face cleaning like they did when they brought in the new pope after Benedict. 
But you know, it, what we what we said in the indictment and the conviction was that we're putting the institutions on trial, not simply individuals. Um, but uh, you know, a final point on that: last year in Saskatchewan, uh, there was a diamond mining company, Rio Tinto, which is closely tied to the British monarchy, and um, there was one tribal chieftain who opposed the diamond mining on the reservation. That same week, six of his relatives were murdered. And uh, it turns out that this, again, was the influence of the British monarch in these deaths. So, in other words, it's not just one incident. It's a whole kind of history of this, and that's ongoing. Wow. This has been something that has been on my radar for many, many years. You and I have had discussions about this before on my podcast, Macroaggressions, where we, we got into the 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 very very dark and detailed history of the british monarchy and their crimes against humanity in general and their crimes against children in particular and this is a story that had been circulating for a very long time let's do this let's take a quick news break on the other side of this break we'll be back with kevin annett what the hell is this TNT Radio News. Breaking news. Breaking For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. The Colorado Republican Party has appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court, challenging a decision by the Colorado Supreme Court that disqualified former President Donald Trump from appearing on the state's ballot. Storm Garrett has caused significant disruption across Scotland, leading to power outages in thousands of homes and impacting the travel network. The U.S. will provide Ukraine with an additional $250 million in military aid, Secretary of State Antony Blinken announced on Wednesday. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24 7, 365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk this is TNT Radio. Kevin, I've been out on the topic of Operation Condor over the last couple of weeks on my podcast, and that brings in the story of the role of the Vatican in the disappearances and murders of the priests and and, and others in the cone of uh, South America back in the 70s and early 80s. And it, it wasn't something that I was extremely familiar with. But during my research, what I found was Pope Francis, aka Bergoglio, deeply involved in this. This was, this is probably news to a lot of people. It's obviously not news to you. What is the role of the Vatican in some of these wars, be they overt wars such as the ones happening in, in South America in the 70s, or be they more covert wars that are happening against the populations of places like Canada? Oh, well, they're uh, central to the whole process, not only because they're some of the biggest arms dealers in the world. For example, the largest uh, small arms company in the world, Beretta Limited, is 100% owned by the Vatican Bank, heavily invested in the arms trade and funding, you know, dictatorships all over the world. 
uh, Bergoglio himself went from being a lowly priest in Argentina to head of the entire Jesuit order there in just a dozen years because he was buddies with the military hunted there during the Dirty Wars. You know, there's an infamous p- picture of him walking arm in arm with General Videla when the same general was ordering, you know, um, priests who were working in the slums with the poor to be thrown out of helicopters. And, uh, you know, 30,000 people murdered in Argentina. Bergoglio came to power in the church through collaborating with that and doing what he's doing now, giving, you know, this dictatorship a a smiley face. Um, He recently came to Canada, Bergoglio, uh, Pope Francis, and met with the Chinese in Prince Rupert on the West Coast to underwrite the Chinese expansion in North America, the buying up of all the resources and that. The Vatican has just given them nearly a trillion dollars a year to underwrite, uh, you know, the, the, the Chinese takeover. And so, yeah, they're central to the whole thing. It's about money and arms and, um, you know, concealing their crimes of the past so the crimes can continue today, right? Yeah, what a what a disgusting uh, operation the Vatican has has become. I, it maybe it always was, but um, but lately it seems like the mask has come off. A lot of people that were defenders of the church, maybe defenders of their religion, to it, still. They see the Vatican very differently now um, as not some sort of um, city-state unto itself, sort of like a Switzerland uh, yeah. located right in the middle of Rome, but more so like part of this entire octopus that is strangling uh, humanity. I did not know about the partnership with the Chinese. I shouldn't be very surprised to hear that, I suppose. Um but I'm curious about this. As a Canadian, um, recently we've had a lot of discussion about a a concept that's really taken root in Canada, though I would suggest it's not limited to Canada in the future, and that is the medical assistance in dying. This feels like eugenics with a fancy brand name to it. What is Canada's end game here are they trying to depopulate the country what is uh, who's driving this and and what do you think from your work with with you know tackling some of the darker forces that are at play here um who do you think is really in charge of all of this stuff well china's behind the scenes of a lot of this uh trudeau uh, and prime minister harper before him brought in a thing called the foreign investment protection act which is law in Canada now. It allows China to station its troops here. It allows them to buy up the entire country with no limit on investment. Uh, And part of that is they get to operate in whole areas as a power into themselves. China has actually opened their own police stations in a dozen cities in Canada, and they're extraterritorial. You can't touch them. That's Chinese territory. And similarly, up in northern British Columbia, there's entire native families going missing and have been for a number of years along what's called the Highway of Tears. Um, This is where all the liquid natural gas sites are because China is switching from coal to liquid natural gas. Most of it's in British Columbia, and they wipe out all the native families to get it with the help of the RCMP and others. So, yeah, the eugenics, the government pushing it so that people can die more easily. I mean, it just, it's the next phase in in genocide, right? And... um, I don't, you know, it, it, when you're on the ground, as I am a lot, you see this, the evidence up close. But then when you try to talk to, you know, people in the mainstream society, they just can't believe it, even though it's happening in their own backyard. So, 
you know, it's, the evidence is all there. It's just like we did with our, our citizen tribunal that exposed these things, both Charles and others. There's a, give you an example, there's a network called the 12 Mile Club. It operates out of Vancouver and it, the 12 mile territorial limit, they take children, rape them, torture them, and then throw their bodies overboard. Uh, outside the 12-mile limit. That's been going on for many years. It's now operating with a lot of Chinese money. The Catholic Archbishop in Vancouver is heading it, and everyone knows about this. You know, the evidence, it, it, it's all there. It's a matter of what do you do when the criminals are in power? You have to rely on the people themselves to confront these criminals, right? Yeah, and I guess the, the first layer of protection is the incredulity of it all. You just can't even wrap right. your mind around a concept so dark and devious as throwing children off of boats in international water. But of course, this is this is royal family tactics 101. This is uh, uh, Jimmy Savile mm -hmm. delivering kids to people out on boats. We've been hearing about this stuff for a long, long time. Kevin, where does this end? How does this story come to a happy ending and hopefully it does does this do you, does this have the legs to actually go all the way up the chain of command and get king charles in handcuffs or at least uh, pulling a, 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 a you know a, a ratzinger and and departing off as the cameras watch his helicopter vanish across the horizon is this is this something that's actually going to happen or are we um, setting ourselves up for maybe a little bit of a disappointment. Well, it'll happen because he's the latest hand puppet, and then they'll put in a new guy, and the system will carry on. It's not so much the individuals. I mean, under common law, you have to name individuals in a court trial like we did. But like I said, we, we indicted the system. We've got to replace the system. And one of the ways we're doing that in Canada is eight years ago, we, we established a framework for a republic. We said, okay, People got to get out of the system. We're disavowing the oath of allegiance to the crown that every member of parliament and cop and judge has to take. We're telling them, do like they did in America and form our own constitutional republic. That way we can create something new on the ground. We get people to form their own local assemblies and courts, pass their own laws and enforce them. In other words, it's like another 1776. Uh, we had our attempted revolution like that in Canada. It got defeated in 1837. As a matter of fact, one of my ancestors took part in that, the attempt to overthrow the crown. But because of that, the power of the crown and the church is really absolute in Canada. We've got to get rid of the whole mess. And there's a growing movement to do that. But, you know, it's, it, it, as you know from your own American history, it's, a lot of people don't want to take that step until they have to. But people are getting to the point now where we realize with the whole COVID corporate dictatorship, yeah, it's hitting us all now, and we've got to take these kind of fundamental steps, right? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Kevin, where's the best place for people to go to support your work, to buy your books? I know murderbydecree.com is a place that people can find information about the, the book about the genocide in Canada, but are there other places where people can help you out? Well, yeah, you can, uh, on that website, if you go to ITCCS updates, you'll see all of the news postings about what we've been talking about, including the court case, the verdict on November 20th. Um, Republic of Kanata, that's K-A-N-A-T-A, republicofkanata.org, is the work of our uh, the Republic movement. And um, people can write to me, uh, angelfire101 at protonmail.com. My books are all on Amazon. I do constant tours, um, starting one again on the New Year, going all over the continent. So folks can write to me there. And, um, you know, I do a blog show on Sundays. All of that is up 
online described at murderbydecree.com. That's Kevin Annett, everybody. He is fighting the good fight, a fight that hopefully we don't have to wait until the very end to get the rest of humanity to pile in on his side. Go support his work. If you can, buy his books, send them to people in your life that you think might benefit from that. On the other side of the break, we'll be back with Johnny Vedmore. This is TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Stop letting leftists set the agenda. Stop letting them turn nothing burgers into the most pressing issues of the day. Stop letting them use words like inclusion, equity, fairness, and diversity as cudgels to beat you into submission. Stop bowing, stop scraping, stop bending the knee, and stop giving them what they desire, an abject apology, assuring them that they'll get their way and everything will be fine. Because it won't be fine. That won't be the last complaint. Every time you submit to them, you encourage them. You give them more fuel for their next attack, and it will go on for decades. The Onondaga Nation complained to Syracuse University about the Saltine Warrior mascot in 1978, and here we are, 45 years later, the Onondaga Nation is complaining to Liverpool High School about using Warriors as their athletic mascot. For 45 years it was fine, but now all of a sudden in 2023 it's not. Stop giving in to this culture of destruction. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. The Kids Cancer Project funds vital research into childhood cancers. And you fund the Kids Cancer Project. Funding research means giving children back their lives. And who knows what kids with cancer could grow up to do. The Kids Cancer Project. Survival starts with science. Donate now. The Kids Cancer Project. Today's conversation. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. We are back with one of my favorite people who also happens to be one of the most tenacious investigative reporters in the world. You can find his work over at newspace.com or also on unlimitedhangout.com. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Johnny Vedmore. Johnny, how are you? I'm really good, really good, really happy to be here, really happy to talk about some stuff with you. Missed you. I hope you had a good Christmas and uh, looking forward to 2024 coming. 2023 was horrible. I'm looking forward to 2024. I agree. You might have heard that Henry Kissinger died. Did you get a death death card? Do they say I don't even know if they sent do they send you? I, I would feel like you're on the list of people that are like, listen, he finally died. We gotta send Johnny a card to let him know. Have you have you heard have you heard the rumor that the, that the old man finally croaked? Yeah, yeah. I produced a couple of things just to uh just to to capitalize. Like he would if I died, he would capitalize on it and uh, I capitalized on his death too with a little bit of content creation and looking back over old Henry's life. Oh, and it's uh oh, it's uh, he he did a lot. He was a he was a genius. Hey, he was a genius. He was a one-man band. He 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 basically took all the responsibility on his shoulders um to uh, decide on how to create this new world order and he'd be like the central figure that would mold all of the working parts together and uh he did an amazing job he did an amazing job of being nefarious and evil 
Yeah. It, yeah, but he didn't have the guts to put his name on it like the way Hitler and Stalin and Mao and Pol Pot did. He hid in the shadows like a worm orchestrating mm. petrodollars Me? and bombing the shit out of South America. And uh, when he wasn't yeah. dropping uh, napalm and Agent Orange on Southeast Asia. God, I mean, the fact that there's still people that say, well, he was a statesman. He stood up. He won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1973 for ending the Vietnam War that, you know, didn't end until 1975. You know, he's a statesman, Johnny. How dare you? Yeah. Kissinger, though, I mean, you could say that he was educated enough not to be a Hitler or a Stalin because he saw how that ended for, for, for them. And he knew that the best way was to play in the shadows and always leave everybody. Uh, I mean, he lived his life by like the, the, the perpetual warfare. You know, he le lived his life by that, never quite losing the battle, never quite winning the battle, always being somewhere in between, always being hated so that the battle can happen. Yeah. Yeah, and it leads us to a, another boogeyman that you've done extensive research on, and that's Jeffrey Epstein. And and of mm. course, he's he was, you know, he listen, he couldn't carry Henry Kissinger's jockstrap. You know, this he was not an intellectual heavyweight, in my opinion. Um, but that didn't didn't mean that he wasn't extremely dangerous. And now what we're getting here in the American version of the corporate media which is, um, it's just garbage that smells a little differently than the garbage mm. that you guys have, of course, is that 170 people are about to have the hoods pulled off and be exposed. But, you know, call me a little bit, uh, I don't know, suspicious or whatnot, because it seems like the CIA, the Mossad, MI6 have had four years to cherry pick this list. I mean, are we really going to find anybody on this list that's going to be a surprise to us? No, no. This is all. This is all carefully now. This is all about uh, distraction, keeping you away from the main game, keeping you away from the A game, uh, keeping you away from even understanding why you want to know wh what names are on there, why you want to know who these people are. That's the real. That's the real key for them is to keep you discussing names with no real actions attached to them you know we heard about noam chomsky the last time oh noam chomsky and he invested a bit into this and and that's it and doesn't really mean anything it could mean you know nothing that much it could mean a lot it, it breaks some people's hearts a little bit but people already knew that he's you know the king of manufacturing consent literally in both telling you it and and doing it himself so i mean these people all run in the same circles as well my investigation has has found that a lot of these names you're already know who they are because they're the new york social elite scene uh they're the the manhattan set you know you know they're, they're these same people who hang around with each other all over the place come from all the country to over, over the country in america to do their time in new york to make a load of money and people like uh epstein were good interlocutors you're right he wasn't necessarily the most intelligent of intelligence but he was very good at connecting people finding where what people needed to do and and making interagency um sort of uh operations work yeah he did and he had a, a propensity to hire uh beautiful pilots too who you mm. have done some work on well who's nicole junkerman and why should we care no. about who she is because this is a name you she's got a face to be on the cover of vogue mm. magazine right and yet surprisingly yeah. we don't really hear much about her who is she 
Oh, it's wonderful you talk about Nicole Youngkerman because, uh, you know, as soon as people start learning about Nicole Youngkerman, they become completely informed by her. Uh, she was never, I don't think she was ever a pilot. I have to say she was oh, never she a pilot. Wasn't. She was a model. No, she was an elite model. She worked for elite models in the mid-90s uh, alongside people like Naomi Campbell and others. Um, but I think it might have been a bit of a front. She went She went to Monte Carlo um, at Monaco University. Um, so upper class, obviously. Uh, I think... I think I know who her father and her mother is, but I'm not getting there yet because, you know, I got other things to deal with and it's not exactly that interesting a story necessarily per se. Um, but Nicole Youngkerman herself started off business um, in internet companies back in the late 90s, early noughties, things like Winamax, which was like an early football sort of like fantasy sort of uh, site. And then you had another thing called Infront Sports Media, which was a, 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 an operation, set Blatter, his um, nephew Philip Blatter in charge of this company and they bought all of the FIFA World Cup uh, football rights, media rights to use in Asia and other places up until 2022 and this was in like 2003 I think it was, maybe a little bit earlier. So so I mean they made loads of money and then it turned out to be an operation. One of the guys who come on my podcast, Dave Whelan, who wrote a book recently about uh, John Lennon's assassination, said he was at in front sports and media when it first opened he said they all knew it was an operation everybody knew it was a front and it was all to make money and they made loads of money fifa corruption galore she was in the mossad fonseca papers and lots of other things but she caught jeffrey epstein's plane twice and if you look at the flight manifest and i color coded it and tried to work out there was she was a complete exception she rode alone on, on the early manifest that we had access to you could see she rode alone with jeffrey epstein and no one rode alone with jeffrey epstein apart from one other person for some other reason that i could work out but other uh, other than that it was always an entourage or he used his plane to fly people to him so she was obviously important now she's in she's part of spacex uh now she's uh, she's got so many companies that you know very well revolut lots of people use that for cryptocurrency and stuff uh songs uh um every 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 single um bit of uh technology that she's invested in is a major bit of technology but she was also invested in something called carbine 911 which on the board of directors when they first opened it up was echoed barack um emia elikai um uh this guy dizengov who was head of the pm's office in israel and pinchas bukras who was head of the idf for a while um they were the other people on the, the the board at the time and that really made me go wow this woman's very interesting um so i did a lot of research discovered that in 2002 she had uh, met with two senators in a place called foxcote house in the uk which was owned by les wexner's wife abigail wexner um and and i found a, a, a witness who was there at the time who was able to describe the scene of two models each being brought to the senators on the arms of jeffrey epstein so the idea of of sexual compromise and etc now when i went through investigating it you find her on the arm of every single person who's rich and powerful you know um so some of the some of the some of the if you read the third articles there's lots of pictures from everybody from brad pitt um to paul allen co-founder of microsoft you know there's pictures of her with all of these hoity-toity people and attending events in different places but she married count uh, ferdinando Pachetti peretti of uh, api oil uh 
company head of the API or company along with his brother uh, of the uh, he's a count she's a countess Pachetti Peretti now um, and she's like I say so many investments extremely beautiful lady extremely interesting has has used lawyers massive lawyers uh, massive microtaskers to censor me for years now four years of being heavily censored um, if I put up a, a video there's a video I put up recently uh, read through yesterday I put up that will probably be taken down within a week um, they constantly have people watching me um, I even had a microtasker tell me how they do it how they go through each one of my posts and 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 then apply through court orders to have them taken down so you know you touch on the, the her husband's like Knights of Malta and stuff so you touch the big Italian noble families you can expect there to be pushback anyway are you getting pushback from the Italian noble families or are you getting it from unit 8200 in Israel? Mm. Because well, that that's, seems, yeah. or is that just, Gang a, a, just a Tuesday for you? Yeah, gangsters, man. Gangsters all work together, and uh, in t there's there's no real difference between intelligence and mobsters, you know. And, and and these gangster noble family, gangster bankers, you know, they're all they they all use each other in the same way. They've all got that uh, ability to let their ethics and morals go and and take advantage of others. So, I mean, the fact is, all right, I, I, you know, I I I have no intention of 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 going anywhere and doing anything but what I'm doing. But I, I mean, a regular a regular day for me is look at really crazy stuff and talking to some really like you know people who do, I, I get people trying to infiltrate me regularly, trying to get into me and trying to put things in my brain regularly, regularly on a, like a daily basis. Um, and I, it it gets a little look, you know, it wearing. I'd say because. Yeah you know all the signs you know what's happening and you know what's going on and often you can feel disappointed by the fact that humans keep trying to do something that they think's for their own good but is actually you know for the good of some terrible nefarious intelligence agency who doesn't care about anybody it's just a machine yeah well the epstein thing has really gotten the attention of i think uh, the normie crowd the the idea that there is even a guy like a jeffrey epstein who would be coordinating these parties and it's more than just fun with physics down in the island it's uh there's a lot more going on and then the the concept of of black of of, of blackmail oper sexual blackmail entrapment operations the concept of brownstones and wiring houses with with cameras and whatnot this is what we do for a living and we've been doing this for a long time but for the normies out there is this uh is this in some way a victory that now in the back of their mind their daughter comes home from high school in palm beach and has an extra 400 dollars in her pocket and now the dad goes well it could be that there's an epstein like character out there is this is this in it, it in the end, is this a net positive that the general public is aware that there are people like Jeffrey Epstein even existing out there? Uh, part, uh, partly no, because I don't think that they've actually worked out what Jeffrey uh, uh, Jeffrey Epstein actually is and what it does and the effect it has and the, the you know the fact that this the, the, just the act of um, paying a young girl for some sort of sex is something that rich men have done for time immemorial. Like you could go back to to uh, people passing across bones and saying, "I want your daughter for a bit." You know, it's something they've all always done and it's something we know the thing is about epstein he used every tool 
to, at his disposal. In that sense, he was a genius. He was a genius at utilization. Um, he would use every single tool, and that's just one of the many tools. When you see what else he was doing, some of it is just esoteric, of course, like you say, you know, labs in places and, and you know, cameras up in places, but some of it is obvious. Some of it is business deals with uh, in far-flung Asian um, hideaways with big players who uh, are selling things that, that could be... A, 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 like everything financial stuff to people themselves to uh codes uh, to other things that the other intelligence agents national intelligence agencies want um and crave uh the, the, these these people were all benefiting as best they could from using all the tools at their disposal to get as much out of this as possible so we don't know what epstein was he was everything yeah he sold items that didn't have price tags on them to people that didn't care what the price was. Hey, let's wrap up with this because we've got two minutes left. You have found a guy who has got his little dirty fingers in just about everything over there. And the name doesn't ring a bell to most people, but what's old Stanley Pottinger up to these days over at, at least over at newspace.com because you have got the goods on this poor bastard. <laughs> what have you found? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I went through uh, two years uh, of investigating that led me to this, a year of really writing and investigating three articles uh, that exposed Stanley Pottinger as a man who's been involved in nearly every event in history, sometimes playing the most central role, usually as a cover-up man or a guy who organizes cover-up or at least um, like causes the, a, a, a controversial subject to go away. Um, that includes Martin Luther King, Kent State, standoff at Wounded Knee, um, the assassination of Orlando Letelier, Iran-Contra, central to organizing Iran-Contra alongside his um, his client and business partner, Cyrus Hashemi and Jam Jamshid Hashemi. Um, uh, partly October surprised. In 1990, he moved to Palm Beach. At the same time, Jeffrey Epstein moved to Palm Beach. They lived 500 meters away from each other, and he became... Stanley Pottinger became one of the key lawyers, the main, one of the three main lawyers for the victims of Jeffrey Epstein. Edwards Pottinger, the firm that was formed, was formed by Bradley Edwards and Stanley Pottinger. And Edwards, in his book, Resentless Pursuit, says the entire time he was sure Stanley was CIA and he could do anything for anybody and get away with anything. And that's what he was brought in. He was brought in to cover up the second Epstein case and make everybody look in the wrong direction while looking looking like he's representing the victims. In actual fact, uh, the, the whole case was set up from the start to fail like the first case was set up from the start to uh, fail. So I've done a show called Searching for Stanley um, that goes alongside the articles. There'll be another two seasons. Season one's out already. Really interesting stuff. You go through history and you find out how Stanley Pottinger was involved. Yeah. You think Jeffrey Epstein's into no, up to no good. You haven't seen anything until you see what Stanley Pottinger's up to. Go to newspace.com, find Johnny's work there and support it. Also, big thanks to Kevin Annett in the first part of the show for coming on and explaining what he's doing for uh, Native rights in Canada. We'll be back with you tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern. Don't go anywhere. This is TNT Radio. TNT Radio.